When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Michigan State is undefeated no more. The Spartans give up nearly 600 yards through the air and fall at Purdue 40-29 on Saturday afternoon. It's a setback, no doubt, uh, for a team that found itself in the middle of the college football playoff ranking discussion. But the season is far from over for Mel Tucker and the boys. We will discuss the game, look ahead to the basketball team's high-profile opener against Kansas at Madison Square Garden, and preview the football team's upcoming home game with Maryland on episode 55 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Monday, November 8th, 2021. Matt, how was the trip to West Lafayette? Uneventful, I hope. Uneventful. I've spent enough time in Indiana over the last month, so I am uh, <laughs> I, I'm good. I don't I don't need to go back for a while, hopefully. So, um, <laughs> yeah, right. first time there, it was uh, it was actually easy getting in. Um, certainly, was not <laughs> trying to get to Spartan Stadium a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I don't know the the post game setup. I think Purdue needs to work on uh, having something more, a, a lot better available to the, the visiting team for the, for the media. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm just, you know, salty right now. I've been to that stadium. I've been to Purdue for a game. I think I mentioned it. Uh, the last time I played there, I was at the game and like West Lafayette is just like, like I remember driving in there and being like, Oh, this is kind of nice and scenic, but I felt like I was going to like, like, a, like the middle of nowhere. Quite honestly, like I felt I was going to like a cottage in the middle of the woods or something, uh, trying to get to that stadium. And I don't know, maybe I'm just salty. I probably shouldn't rip on Purdue right now since they just handed it to Michigan State. But (laughs) worst worst town in the Big Ten. Come at me, Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You said it. So there we go. You said it. We're good to go. Uh, But Kyle, you'll be on the road here soon tomorrow. You got your bags all packed, ready to hit the big city. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, will be my first post pandemic flight, uh, taking it very cautiously, but uh, it's time to get back out there and uh, no better place to get back out there if you're a basketball fan than Madison Square Garden. So it'll be all downhill from there. Seriously, how many times have you been there? Uh, two or three uh, Big Ten tournament a couple years ago. Super fun. Um, one or two events. But yeah, I mean, it's um, if you haven't been there, it uh, it should be on your list. Um, one of the few places I feel like really does kind of live up to the billing, just being right, right in Manhattan like that. Um, right in the middle of everything. Always, a, you know, a good crowd. It, it's a nice, you know, updated arena. And to the, it's a lot of fun. A lot of it should be a lot of Michigan State fans here, too. Hopefully the Mecca, the Mecca of, of basketball, uh, you know, 
I always hate that. We'll talk about the Champions Classic in a second, but it's like hopefully there's Michigan State fans there because they're there with the three blue teams and they stick out like <laughs> when they're in the uh, arena. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to combat all three of the biggest brands in college basketball at the same time, uh, I would say. But uh, my, uh, sure- my, my, my quick Champions Classic uh, uh, story I'll tell is my very first one, you know, for, first um, big game I've covered, first year on the beat. I'm, I'm walking in and I see all these fans in blue, like waiting to get in, like the, waiting for the doors to open. And Michigan State was playing Duke in the first game that year. I'm thinking, oh, you know, that's a lot of Duke fans. You know, I, I'm surprised you have that many. And I get up closer. And of course, they're all Kentucky fans and they're not in the game until the second game, but they're Kentucky fans. So they're all there two and a half hours early waiting to get in for the first game. So, um, yeah, there'll probably be more Kentucky fans there than anything else. Yeah, we all know about Big Blue Nation, man. They like to travel. So, uh, anyways, we'll get to the Champions Classic in a second. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, check out our work on live.com slash Spartans. Hit us up if you have any questions or comments. We've got a couple questions before this episode that we're going to try and get to. Um, but we appreciate you listening. Uh, one thing I did not appreciate, unfortunately, was the result of the game on Saturday. Uh, Michigan State suffers their first loss of the season in West Lafayette. Uh, tough, tough game for the defense, especially the secondary. Um, guys, we talked about it last week. You know, it, we, we talked about this being a dangerous road game. I didn't, you know, Mel doesn't like the term trap game. I was getting annoyed by trap game. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't really say that Michigan State was caught off guard or trapped, so to speak, in this game. I think they just got outplayed by a team that played better than them on Saturday. They obviously had no answer for Purdue's passing offense. I mentioned almost 600 yards. Uh, David Bell constantly open. Um, Aiden O'Connell picking apart the Michigan State defense. And while the Michigan State offense didn't play poorly, uh, just not enough to hang with this high-powered boiler offense, Matt. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't this wasn't them walking in there, as Mel said, you know, rolling your helmet out expecting to win. This was the same problems coming up the time and time again for Michigan State. You know, the pass defense is not very good. Give up way too many yards to the air. Can't get off the field on third down. Bad, you know, special teams penalties, bad penalties. You add it all up and they just, I mean, that, that's it. I mean, you they managed to escape against, you know, to a slight lesser degree, you know, Western Kentucky, but um, Nebraska, Indiana, and Michigan, while some of these issues showed up, some all in the same games. But, um, yeah, they weren't getting away with that on Saturday. It was just, you know, you, they were – Purdue was, as, the, as Mel and, and Peyton Thorne and Xavier Henderson set up for the game, they were the better team. They deserved to win. You know, you throw Aiden O'Connell was very good, forty for fifty-four for what five thirty-six and three touchdowns, I think. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, you get it, you get a hundred, you get more than hundred yards out of Kenneth Walker. You get a you know a solid performance from Peyton Thorne, and you you don't win. So um, you know, obviously the passing yards stand out again. You know, the third down, the inability to get off the field in third down, and then you know, I thought you know I was talking with a few other guys at, at halftime and and a few other writers and was like, yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to lose this game. And, you know, I basically said, I, I think they need to, you know, turn over and, and, you know, score to, you know, go from there. And then boom, this was at halftime. Then, you know, first possession in the second half, Purdue fumbles, Michigan state scores, great play call with Peyton Thorne taking the draw. And then what happens after that? They go three and out and back-to-back trips. They, they had the ball for, I think, three and a half minutes total in the third quarter. Purdue takes the lead and, and, and that's basically it. Somehow, I mean, Somehow it was a one score game again with five minutes to play, uh, which really felt weird. Uh, but again, then what is, you know, first play, you know, 40 some yard gain for Purdue and, you know, just puts it to bed. So uh, it was 
probably it was just probably a matter of time before this was gonna everything was gonna add up to a loss, especially with the schedule they have down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, it, so like you mentioned, I mean, they've been giving up yards all season, but but they've been getting timely turnovers, you know, and like all those games you mentioned, you know, Kimbrough gets the pick against Nebraska, you know, obviously Chuck Braley the late pick against Michigan, but you know the turnovers, you know, on on the JJ McCarthy, uh, you know, fumble, uh, Western Kentucky, they had some plays. It's just. I guess you can play that, you know, bend don't break style, but it's like if you don't get a, gr- a good turnover or, or flip field in some way, eventually it's going to eventually come back to bite you. And I saw Mel said today he doesn't like that bend break term, but like, isn't that what they've been doing all season? So what is he talking about? What is the answer well, at corner here? Because well, uh, Chuck Brantley obviously got, I mean, they're going against David Bell, one of the best receivers in the country. Yeah. Bad day for Chuck Brantley. Uh, Kimbrough got burned a couple times, but even when they were, it would the guys would catch the ball in front of them. The tackling was just atrocious. Yeah, I mean, Mel said he didn't like the Brent don't break turn because that flat out tells you you're not getting off the field on third down, and that's the case. Now, you can like it when you're forcing field goals. You can like that aspect of it. Which they um, did at times. They did, they did, and they didn't. You know, they didn't early. And, you know, Purdue ended up kicking four field goals, all less than, than 30 yards. Um, but they're also, you know, they also got touchdowns. You know, they put up 40 points i mean how many games are you going to win giving up 40 points in reality how many games are you going to give a win giving up 530 yards of passing you know that's really difficult and you noted today you know the margin for error is so thin and you know they've been living dangerously and, and you know just you know it burned it today and then at corner it's a real tough situation you know right now when you got so your four top corners are three transfer additions who didn't join the program until the summer, Ronald Williams, Chester Kimbrough, Marquis Lowry, and a true freshman in Chuck Brantley. Williams has got a bad back and Brantley's got a shoulder injury and Lowry didn't even play because he's banged up too. So, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's far from ideal. And you look at the teams that are playing down the stretch. All of them have very good passing tech starting this week against Maryland. So I, I don't think it's a stretch to figure out what where teams are looking at them and thinking where they can attack them right now. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked Mel about it today. Is this a situation where you become even more involved in that? Because obviously his background as a secondary coach and a DB by trade, and you know, he basically just said, you know, you'll be as involved as he ever is and go from there. So, I mean, they obviously have stuff they need to fix back there, but I don't know if they have the personnel at corner, the health at corner right now to, make a to make a significant change in, in the results yeah i mean we talked about it all year that if they if they lost some guys in the secondary or started to get banged up it could spell some trouble for the team i mean i mean kyle you brought it up last game like the lack of blitzing from this team it seems like every once in a while they'll bring a corner from the secondary or a secondary guy but i don't see them bringing those linebackers very often they're, they're content to get with just the four guys and it's worked throughout the year because they're you know in the tops of the country with sacks but to me, it seemed like if your corners are struggling, why are we leaving them out on the island and letting Nate O'Connell just sit back there and pick them apart? Why don't we bring some pressure or something? Um, you know, I it just it just seemed weird to me that they were content to play like that, you know, that sort of passive style of defense against this passing attack. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the flip side is if you bring in the pressure, you better get home because you're putting your secondary at even more of a disadvantage if, if they don't get home. Um, but I, I do agree. By, by late in that game, it was time to try something different because um, what they were doing wasn't working. So, yeah, uh, maybe turn up the pressure a little bit down the stretch. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I think 
don't know. It's like every time you lose, it's like how, it's hard to see how you ever win again. You know, um, I, I think they'll make some adjustments here um, and, and they'll be able to get more out of this personnel. I have to think that there's adjustments they can make to um, to not give up 536 passing yards in a game like that. That number was um, absurd. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, I I'm, and, you know, they got Maryland coming in, although, uh, you know, Ohio State, that that should worry you, I guess, too. Oh, oh hold on. CJ is going to throw for 850 yards. Yeah. <laughs> we get we get Mel Tucker and Harlan Barnett and Travaris Tillman and um, Alan Haller. Will they be in the secondary uh, down the stretch this season? <laughs> there you go. That's some DB experience back there. Well, this has got to sting them even more because of that, right? I mean, you got all these DB guys in the in the coaching staff and within the program, and you're giving up all these yards. And this is the same program that boasted the no fly zone and had a bunch of guys in the corner in the secondary drafted and playing in the NFL. So, I, I mean, the, to give up this many yards is like, as a fan, we're having flashbacks to the John L. Smith years, and that's a terrifying thing. So, uh, you know, they're eight and one, so let's not get too crazy here, but, uh, you just don't like to see giving up that type of passing yardage. Uh, I mean, what else can we talk about here? You you had this simultaneous catch with Jaden Reed in the the corner at the end of the game. And to me, that was, some people were complaining about that because the broadcast brought up that maybe the simultaneous catch goes to the offense. But to me, that just seemed kind of indicative of the whole game where Purdue just kind of wanted it more because the corner ripped it out of Jaden Reed's arms right at the end. Mel said he, he uh, he asked the official about that call at the time and said that he was told that he, they felt the uh, I can't remember the guy's name the the, the defensive back. Isn't it Mackey? Yeah, Mackey had more possession of the ball than oh. than Reed did. So whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's don't don't say it, Kyle. I don't want to. I know your mind's going to where you're like, oh, a guy named Mackey screwed Michigan State. Yeah, let's but... Yeah, great. <laughs> um, I would be, I think the, the bigger, the more pressing concerns are, are the injuries and the health they have of, of some of these guys, you know, beyond cornerback, um, you have a kicker you didn't, when you're, when you're six year senior starting kicker, all of a sudden is not kicking. And to be, I'll be honest, like, cause I saw Coglin out for warmups and I'm like, all right, I've seen this every single game I've covered since 2017. He's been the only guy who has attempted a field goal extra point. And then I didn't even notice that that Rusnak came on and attempted the first section and like, you know, sometimes you're just not watching for that stuff. So I don't know. It's a weird situation. He was out for warmups and then he was in uniform. He just didn't play. So, um, you know, Mel gave his, he'll be ready. He's sore. He'll be ready when he's ready, but you know, there's a major difference going between, you know, a guy with his experience made more field goals than anyone in, in program history to a true freshman walk on on the road, making his debut. So a lot to ask. Um, and, and that'll be an interesting thing to watch. And, and you're without your, you're without your starting left tackle on Saturday. And, and you know, that's a, that's a problem as well. And so that results in a shuffle of the line. And I, you know, I thought the line did okay. It was fine. I didn't think Karloftis was, he made an impact early and then it seemed like he was quieter as the game went on. Um, but that's definitely something to watch moving down the stretch be without their starting defensive tackle, Simeon Barrow for the first half against Maryland for the targeting call. And then, you know, you've got the stuff in the secondary. So definitely some issues there. And uh, Jalen Naylor, that guy too. Oh, yeah. Um, How do I yeah. Well, well and, and, and my thought, I like they're deep at receiver, but like, I do wonder like if you, when you take Naylor out of there, how much they can shade coverage over towards Jaden Reed, make life more difficult for him. 
And he did have a quieter game. And then you're down to, you know, Ashton Cream Mosley to make plays, which, you know, good player. Uh, he's capable, he but that's, yeah, and he did. And, and the passing game was not the biggest issue, but it's, you know, you add it on to everything Matt just said, and it's just another, um, another issue for this team. Yeah. yeah. I don't I mean, know that I if think... they, I don't know if that, if they, I would doubt they have another receiver on the roster that can come in with the kind of speed and, te- you know, that Naylor has to, to get behind a defense and, and somebody that, the opposing team's going to look at and be like, all right, this guy right here, we can't let him get back to, you know, a Mosley very good, you know, and fosters, you know, obviously there's playing time went up, but um, I think there's a, there's a drop off there. Yeah. I mean, Mosley looked all right to me. And then, you, you know, I, we saw more tight end usage too. Um, Malik Carr makes his first uh, impact in yep. Michigan state uniform against his old uh, team. Tyler Hunt had a catch and they used uh, uh, Connor Hayward quite a bit in the offense. So I, I'm not, I mean, obviously losing Naylor hurts your offense from an explosive standpoint and maybe, yeah, they can draw some coverage. I, I think they'll be okay though. there on offense. It's not, the offense looked fine to me. I mean, Kenneth Walker still went for what? 146. I mean, it was, they just had a couple of empty possessions there when they would get a stop on Purdue, one of the few times and they didn't take advantage of it uh, when they would get a stop. And that's going to be killer when you're having a team that's struggling to get off the field. So um, you know, all around, not a great day. Uh, Darius Snow coming out party. If you want to look for positives, I thought he you know, obviously, unfortunately, had to make a lot of tackles chasing these guys down. But uh, he seemed to be I think he led them in tackles. He was all over the place on the field. So looks like a good young talent back there. And the safety play continues to be strong. So I guess I guess you just have to hope that the that the uh, the front can get more pressure and sort of uh, try and cover up these issues in the back end because, I mean, it's not like we didn't see this coming. We probably knew this was going to catch up to them eventually and uh, Purdue was the right matchup for it to happen. So big picture-wise, though, Michigan State not out of it. I mean, they still control their own destiny, I guess you could say, with games against Penn State and Ohio State coming up. So, uh, you know, still a lot to play for, obviously, right, Matt? <laughs> yeah, the control your own destiny line, I, that's a sports writer as well. That- you know, falls back in, in any sport you cover at any level, you'll you hear it a lot, but it is true. Um, you know, it's just, the road is obviously difficult. You knew going into the season, what it was like the second half, especially down the stretch when, you know, you, I mean, not to overlook Maryland, cause that's obviously a game they can lose. Um, cause Maryland pretty good throwing the ball, but Ohio state, I mean, that's Ohio state. Um, and then Penn state to close that would obviously be difficult as well. So, but you know, if they run the table, it's theirs. And I can't imagine there are too many Michigan State fans heading this season expecting um, middle of November to be in this position to be eight and one and have a chance to, to get to Indy if they just win. It's almost right. eerie how similar, if I can throw in real quick, to 2015 this is. Start 8-0, beat Michigan, go on the road, lose to an okay West Division opponent. Um, you know, everyone thinks the sky is falling and then that team comes back and beats Ohio state and go ends up going to the college football playoff. So, um, not to say this team is going to finish the way that did, but I think that just proved like, if you can start eight and oh, and get a big win, like Michigan, you've given yourself the room for error to have a game like this and you're okay. And it, it's still all, I mean, unless you completely fall on your face against Maryland, um, it was still all going to come down to Columbus. Um, and I think that's still the case. Yeah, I should say, I think we briefly uh, cut out on the audio there. I don't, when Matt was talking about injuries. So sorry if we had some, some, uh, 
audio issues there. I think we're back and good to go now. Um, but I was going to, we'll get to basketball in a sec. We might as well just do Maryland here quickly since we're already talking about him. Uh, Mike Loxley is their coach. He's 11 and 21. He's in his fourth season. They're five and four this year. Uh, they have wins over West Virginia, Howard, Illinois, Kent State, and Indiana. Losses to Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota, and Penn State. Uh, Michigan State leads the all-time series nine to two. Uh, I think the spread I saw was like 14, couple touchdowns for Michigan State. High over under um, because, I mean, <laughs> You want to talk about, you know, passing. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and CJ Stroud in a couple weeks. Maryland can chuck it too. I mean, they lost Dante Dimas, one of their best receivers, to an injury earlier in the year, but they still have Rakeem Jarrett. And uh little little tug of Viloa, Talia is leading the charge there. And I think hey, he threw for 370 yards uh against Penn State last week. So uh more concern potentially in the secondary for Michigan State. Uh, I believe the game's at four o'clock. And on Fox, but Matt, uh, you know, we get a clock kick here. It's not a night game. Uh, first home four o'clock kick for you there. So maybe a little compromise, but how do you size up this game with the Terps? Because uh, it's obviously one Michigan State needs to have if they want to bounce back. Yeah, I haven't had a great opportunity to look at uh, them too much yet. But I mean, obviously what stands out again is, is what they're doing, throwing the ball. Um, you know, you have a quarterback who's completed more than 70% of his passes for 18 touchdowns and more than 300 yards a game against a team that's getting uh, torched in the secondary. Um, yeah, that stands out as being a potential problem. Um, I don't know. You know, it's hard to read on Maryland because um, I haven't really watched much of them this year, but, you know, 4-0 start and, and one and five since. So you get blown out by, by Iowa and Ohio State in back-to-back weeks and but they did, you know, they beat Indiana by three points. Obviously, Michigan State struggled with Indiana, so I don't know. It's they need to find some sort of answers defensively. They can't. I mean, you can't keep giving up 500 yards passing every week. You're gonna get. I mean, you just. I, I don't know how you how you're how you can be continually successful when when those kind of numbers are being posted against you. You know, basically regardless of what you do on offense, unless you want to, you know, what uh, be a run and shoot team and try to win games in the 60s. Uh, so I, I don't know. They got they got to figure out something defensively to to keep that number down. And then offensively, I mean, there's not a ton to complain about the last couple of weeks. You know, you put up 37 against Michigan last week. Obviously, 29 wasn't going to do it, but uh, you know, the three and outs and, and a couple turnovers were were costly there that kept points off the board. But I think they're they're doing fine offensively. Defensively, they just need to they need to you know fix something. Kyle, do you have any thoughts on this game? Um, just that this team hasn't been able to stay on the field with the, the best teams in the big 10. Um, and yeah, they, they've thrown the ball around some, but, um, Ohio state, Iowa, Penn state really had no problem with them. Um, and Michigan state's coming home after a loss. So, um, if I were picking right now, I might even pick them to cover that 14 because, um, Ooh. Yeah, spicy, huh? Ooh, I, um, thought that, I, well, I thought that was a big number. It was a little bigger than I expected, too, but I don't know. I just, I, I guess I just like Michigan State in this spot. I realized that um, they beat Indiana, um, but I don't know. I the, Maryland just always seems to kind of spiral late in the season, and I see that happening again, and I see Michigan State uh, with quite, quite a lot at, to play for. If you look at – I mean, if you look at what they've done, and they've lost the good teams and beat the teams they're supposed to. So all right in line with that, the Michigan State should win. I mean, Vegas has been pretty, pretty on for the most part with these lines for, with Michigan State. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I saw that big number, I got excited because I was like, okay, they think they're going to beat them comfortably. What I'm interested in, I guess this isn't really you know to do with the game, but just to see like how the team responds to a loss, right? I mean, like last year, they obviously lost five games, but it was a weird COVID season. Expectations were 
on the floor. They were coming into this year. You reel off eight straight wins to start the year. Everyone's pumping you up for eight games. You know, the social media teams on fire with their graphics and fun stuff and videos. And it's all love, love, love. Right. And now you, you, this team is experiencing a little adversity with injuries, with losing their first game. Um, you know, Mel Tucker seems to do well with, with locker room culture and keeping his team focused and, the guys were saying all the right things after the game, not making excuses. But I guess I'm just interested to see how this group responds to a tough loss in a season where now suddenly there are massive expectations. Yeah, I mean, it's and that's good to point that out because we don't know, you know, and this is a new team. You know, there are there were 41 guys on the roster at the start of fall camp who weren't with the team last year. We don't really know how that how that's going to work. Henderson, after the game, had said, you know, he's like, yeah, some of the younger guys are pretty upset. He's like, but shoot, I've, I've been here. I've been here long enough. I've lost, play. you know, basically, look, guys, I've lost some games. here. I mean, he was seven and six, seven and six, two and five. If somebody can put it in perspective, it's, it's Savior. And, you know, he said he wouldn't trade uh, those experiences or anything because it made him a, you know, tougher person. So you're looking for somebody to try and put people on the right track. He's, he's definitely one of the guys you'd look to do it. And it'll be interesting to see how, how they respond. And, and also maybe, uh, maybe the third time preparing for, uh, for Maryland pays off because they did have those two canceled games. Last year. <laughs> and excellent point. They just pull the tape back out from last year and be like, Oh yeah, we remember this guy. So, um, <laughs> versus Maryland. I mean, Michigan state's got obviously a lot more personnel changes from, uh, from last year. Uh, I think. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, a game that they'll need to win. And uh, hopefully uh, the woodshed is is bumping again like it has been all year. Uh, I mean, still pretty remarkable that they're 8-1. and one, And I, I would bet they'll still probably be in the top uh, top 10 or so in the college football playoff rankings when they come out tomorrow. And like I said, they have games in front of them where they can still impact how this shakes out. So uh, a tough loss, but uh, need to rebound. Um, you know, with, for a team with a win total of four to be eight and one in November is pretty, pretty cool. If you're a Michigan state fan, so don't lose the faith people. Um, well, uh, from one team to another, uh, Michigan state basketball has completed their two exhibitions. They beat grand Valley state last Thursday. Uh, Kyle was there. I was, I did not get to catch that game, but I saw some of the highlights and the numbers, but, uh, it starts for real on Tuesday. And when I say it starts for real, I mean, it really starts for, for real. We've got the champions classic. Uh, Michigan State, Kansas, uh, Duke, and Kentucky. Always a fantastic way to start the college basketball season um, with these two marquee matchups uh, between Blue Buds. And, uh, you know, Kyle, I'll ask you for your thoughts on the team sort of generally uh, in a sec here. But, I mean, just before we start, I mean, how do you feel about starting the game right, like right off, starting the season right off, like with a trip against Kansas? I mean, they've been doing this for a few years now. If I remember correctly, they used to have like a warm-up game a couple times before this, but now this has become the sort of season opening test for Michigan state. It's, it's an interesting way to go into a season. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the season used to start on a Friday um, and, you know, and they moved it to the Tuesday uh, a couple of years back, they made it the opener. I liked it when it wasn't the first game. Like I, I, I get to like starting the season with a headliner makes sense, but I think it's made for some bad basketball in some of these games. These teams really haven't gotten figured themselves out yet. And a lot of turnovers, a lot of poor shooting. And I think they did. They just seem like better quality games when it wasn't the very first game and all the nerves and everything. So, um, you know, I can see plus your minuses both, but I, um, it, it, no one's listening to me on the topic, but I, I liked it better the old way personally. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, we've, we've just seen, you know, some, you got this huge stage for college basketball right off the jump and, you know, maybe you're getting non-college basketball junkies tuning in because it's a Tuesday and it's like the one big sporting event going on in the night and they get this and maybe it's like their first exposure to college basketball. And they're like, what is this? This is like, why is it 54 50 in the, with two minutes to go in the game? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, so sometimes, yeah. It can't, it's not the most uh, aesthetically pleasing games, let's say. I mean, Michigan State Duke last year was not a great game to watch. No. Um, so it's, it is what it is, I guess. Um, but uh, it's exciting nonetheless. So, I mean, Michigan State, Kansas, I believe, is right, what, third coming into right. the season. Yeah. They're, they're loaded as usual. Uh, most notably, they won't have Jalen Wilson. He's uh, uh, out for this game. He was a big time player for them last year, particularly early in the season, averaged almost you know 13 and eight through the season um, until he got hurt. And then I believe he missed the first tournament game with COVID, if I remember correctly. Um, but so he's a big piece that'll be out, but they still have, you know, a trio of guards and Oche Abaji, Christian Brown, even though it looks like Brown and it drives me nuts. And uh, Remy Martin, the transfer from Arizona State. And where I'm most concerned going into this game, Kyle, is David McCormick down low uh, is their main big going up against Michigan State's trio of bigs. I'm not sure they can defend him without uh, following foul, fouling. There we go. I followed that up. Uh, but how do you size up this matchup? Do you think this is a game Michigan State can win? The spread is only four and a half. Yeah, the spread was a little smaller than I thought. Um, I agree on McCormick. I think you got to run bodies at him, you know, um, whether that's for fouling reasons or um, – you know, they've liked Marcus Bingham a lot, but I, I think the other two guys present a little bit more brawn, which you need against the guy um, of that size. I think he comes in at, uh, what, 245 or something like that. He's a big dude. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think he's going to, you know, he'll get some on you as long as those guys can defend him without fouling. I, you know, the other issue is, like, like obviously it, it's overall a positive when your leading returning rebounder isn't going to play in the game, but... It sounds like Kansas is going to go pretty small as a result. They're going to start um, Harris, who's a guard 6.61, and basically go with a two-point guard look, um, which is going to make it tricky for Michigan State because they're pretty big on the perimeter. So you're you're looking at maybe asking Max Christie to guard somebody, you know, four or five inches shorter than him. Um, and um, I'll be curious what the matchups look like there and how that plays out if he's able to do that and, and if they ask him to. Um um, cause Abaji is a guy, you know, he's their leading returning score, you know, without counting Remy, Remy Martin. I, I think you probably put Gabe Brown on him. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm curious about Tyson Walker, you know, a guy who proved himself at the lower level, um, one defensive player of the year. Um, he's going to step up the big time and <laughs> what, what a bigger way to start. He goes to Madison square garden. He's from New York. So it's a homecoming game at the Mecca for him. And he's guarding, um, Remy Martin, the preseason big 12 player of the year who averaged 19.1 points per game last year. And a guy who can really fill it up and it's going to take a lot of shots. And if you want to prove that you can play at this level, uh, what better way to do that um, if you're Tyson Walker? So a, a lot of interesting things, but I'll be curious kind of the chess match here because um, I, I think they're, they were they were matched up pretty evenly before as far as size, and I think the, the Jalen Wilson thing kind of threw things out of whack a little bit. Uh, we've seen Kansas go with that four-guard four guard setup before too, and they have like Frank Mason and uh, Devontae Graham yeah. and Wayne Seldon, all those guys. They would go with the four-guard one in with uh, – um, oh crap. I can't even remember his name. The big man they had before McCormick. That was a monster. Um, but that's irrelevant. I'm not sure about the whole Remy Martin, big 12 player. The, I'm not even sure he's the best player on Kansas. 
So I, I, really I would, I, I, I would question that, that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Like he might not even be the best player on his own team, let alone big 12 player of the year. But uh, you know, we'll see those things will shake out. Uh, I mean, big picture, obviously this is just one game. It's really not that important if Michigan state wins this game or not. I mean, obviously if they win the game, they're going to be immediately thrust back into the national spotlight. And, you know, people are going to be talking about, Oh, did we, is Michigan state underrated? What are we doing? Are they sleeping? You know, it's not going to take long for that narrative to form if they pull off this win. You know, obviously it would be great to get a win, but I, I'm I'm just looking more for, you know, the things we've talked about all offseason, Kyle. Is the point guard play more fluid? Is there some semblance of a running game? You know, do the, who's the guy that emerges? Is Max Christie actually for real? Is he going to step up and be able to make plays against, you know, a true power at the D1 level? I mean, it's there's just so much unknown with this, with this team that I think like going into this season, I have um, – both apprehension and excitement because we have a lot of unanswered questions that could get answered in a lot of different ways. There are a ton of unanswered questions. So I, you know, you watch the exhibitions um, very closely and you you see some stuff and then you have to remember, Oh yeah, this is an exhibition. And um, you know, they're playing for a reason. They're they're good, but um, it doesn't really tell you anything. You know Um, another one I'd add to that list is, you know, they did not shoot very well in those exhibitions. And, um, you know, it's a two-game sample size, so nobody should be nobody should be freaking out right now. But that was a big issue for the team last year, too. And on paper, they should be better there. You know, you add Max Christie, who is a standout shooter. Uh, you add Tyson Walker, who um, is a better shooter than any point guard they had last year um, and did not take a shot, weirdly, in either of the two exhibitions, a three-point shot, that is. Um, and, you know, you get better point guard play. I think the, the, the logic is that guys like Joey Hauser get better shots and, and some other guys. So, you know, it, you have all the logic there to think this team is going to shoot better, but I watched them shoot a not great percentage for, for two exhibitions too. So I think that, that worry is still there, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have most of the same questions that you did. I, I asked Tom Izzo today, I said, I said, Hey, you know, you got a, uh, if you're in a one possession game, 30 seconds left, who are you drawing up for? Do you know yet? And he, he said, he said, hell no, I don't know, but um, I'm not sure I believe him because he went on then to, uh, without saying it's uh, Max Christie, he went on to talk a lot about Max Christie after that. So <laughs> take that for what you will. He said he, he trusts his point guards to run the plays and make the decisions that, you know, make the reads, make the decisions that need to be made. But boy, it sounds like uh, Max Christie's the guy. And, you know, I, um, I feel like I've talked about him a lot on the podcast, but, you know, I, I can't get over how much praise he's gotten from teammates and coaches. Um, he looked good in exhibitions. I, um, he was the leading scorer you, you know, when you combine the two exhibitions. Um, and I thought when he really started looking for his shots, really in the second half of those games, he looked like a guy who could be competition level, you know, caveats withstanding, um, a guy who can be a really solid college basketball player. So he's probably the guy I'm looking forward to most to seeing him and Tyson Walker, how they're going to look on, on Tuesday night. We should, should be talking he- about him. Uh, Tom should have said Steven would be taking the last shot and really throwing it through some. <laughs> he, was, he was mad at Steven in the first exhibition because he had a great yeah. look and what? he passed it. Yeah, and Tom was about to pull him out, I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we should be talking about Max Christie, though. He's a five-star. I mean, he was the number one shooting guard in the country. I mean, Michigan State yeah. gets good players. They don't get five-stars all the time. So um, I, you can see why he's getting the praise heaped on him. I just hope with Tyson Walker, I think he needs to be a scorer for this team. I mean, he averaged mm-hmm. almost 18 points a game in Northeastern. I just hope that Tom isn't, you know, whether it's him, you know, he obviously wants to be this point guard 
we've talked about all year where we need this point guard who's going to set people up and he's going to play as a true point guard, do things that Rocket Watts didn't do last year. I just hope that he doesn't forget that he's a basketball player who can score too, because I think this team needs him to be a scorer, um, you know, because we don't know where the offense is going to come from for the most part this year. It could come from a lot of different places. It's probably going to be by committee, but you need like, you need at least three guys that are scoring in double figures consistently. And I feel like Tyson Walker needs to be one of them. No, I, I think you hit on the head. One of the biggest question marks coming out of the, the exhibitions is, you know, is he going to score for them? You know, how much is he going to be part of the offense? I, I think, I think he did an understandable thing, which is, you know, go into the first exhibition team and say, Hey, I'm really going to focus on being a ball mover. Cause that's the thing this team needs the most and do that. But I, I think if anything, he went a little too far in that direction. And I, I think, I think he's working on finding the balance uh, between, which is something a lot of point guards have to do, right? Figure out when to take your own shot, when to when to distribute it. I, I think he may have swung a little too far towards the um, the distribution end of things. Um, and I, I know Tom Izzo said today he's focusing with him on trying to to find that balance. And I do think the balance, given how well he can score and how we can shoot, um, they do want to take some more shots because you know uh, it's a lower level, but 18 points a game is 18 points a game. I mean, he did it. What, was it North Carolina? He had 20 plus 27. against last year. Yeah, 27. I mean, he's shown he can score against high level teams, and um, they're going to need a guy like that to do that. Anything else on this game? Uh, no, I, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, I, it's, um, you know, who's going to be the guy, I mean, can they, can they defend well enough? Um, I think it's going to be, um, so is going to be uh, a question mark. I mean, we talked about, um, uh, Marcus Bingham in the interior, is he bulked up enough to handle a guy like that? Um, but are, are they going to be able to get out on shooters enough? Um, I, I think they like what Tyson Walker brings, um, Gabe Brown, I think playing more should help them defensively him, him having a bigger role. Max Christie, that was supposed to be a problem of his, but, you know, by all accounts, that's gotten better. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, they were the worst in terms of points per game. They were the worst defensive team in time as there was tenure last year. So I, I think that's been a pretty significant priority and, and we'll see on Tuesday if they've gotten better there. Yeah, game starts at seven o'clock. It's on ESPN. Kansas and or Kentucky and Duke will follow. Um, and then obviously there's a lot of games coming up here. The college basketball season is here. I know for for junkies like me and Kyle and Matt, I know you like hoops too. I mean, we're real excited about the uh, simultaneous college basketball and college football. Um, and it'll be, it'll be great to see fans back in the arenas for college basketball too. We really missed that last year. So. Obviously a big opportunity for Tom Izzo and the Spartans to make a statement in a season when expectations are uh, relatively speaking lower for the program. So um, it'll be interesting to watch and we will be back next week to discuss it as well as Michigan state's game against Maryland. Um, so big week for the Spartans coming up. We'll be there tracking it all. Kyle, Kyle's heading off to New York city uh, tonight or tomorrow. Are you traveling out uh, tomorrow morning. Be there. All right. All right. Travel safe. Uh, it's crazy out there. I've been in airports a lot lately and it's just wild. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. So, for Kyle Austin and Matt Wendell, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for listening once again. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green!